Hello, welcome to True Hoop with me, Gerard Hector and Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? I am doing great, my man. How are you? I'm good. Um, you know, uh, as fans of the show know, Monday mornings we have our editorial calls uh, with you, myself, uh, Henry, and our editor Travis, and we talk about a variety of of, of topics. <laughs> Last week, while you were away, you know, Henry joined the call on Monday, and of course, Travis and I were talking about European football because that's what we do <laughs> before before we join. We have these wide ranging conversations, and you pose an interesting question to us in the chat uh, this morning. Which will uh, be an article, and we'll discuss it more next week. It's gonna um, be really cool uh, in depth on a podcast. What we're doing, um, really, and, and it's about just this incredible talent we have in the NBA, and you know, like with anything, we always want to know well, who's the best, right? Who is the best of the best? And it's a hard thing to parse, and it's something that I believe that you don't own perpetually because you just are, right? Because there's always someone behind you trying to fight you and knock you off the top of the mountains, like King of the Hill, right? Or, or king of the court, and then or, and it's somebody else's turn. <laughs> or, as I just told someone 20 minutes ago, Game of Thrones. Correct. Yes. Kill or be killed, man. Yes. Everyone wants to be the king. There only is one, and most of the others are right. killed. Yeah. And and once you're up there, there's only one place for you to go. Right. Is <laughs> is back down to the bottom for someone else to take it from you. Um. So it's it's but it's really incredible to watch what these guys are doing. And I said to you, David, that. I've been watching Luca's last, I, don't know, I guess, five or six games. And I'm like, and I, I did this thing to you. I was like, David, what do you do? He's hitting step back threes to the left. I'm like, you can't guard him. And like, I, look, I don't play in the NBA, but I'm sounding frustrated. And so I said to David, I go, well, here's a question I should ask him. When you have players who you help guard these monsters and these ridiculously gifted people, what do you do? What do you tell them besides pray? That's the first thing I know. <laughs> I'm looking up right now uh, his his last yeah, number of games. Um, yeah, four of eight from three, six of 11 from three. He's had some bad games too, but he's shooting 40% from three right now. He's taking nine free throws a game. Yeah, he's basically averaging 32, uh, 10, and nine is what he's got right now. And David, but, uh, he's big. Four turnovers. He's very big and physical. So when you asked the question, I yeah. answered it. Um, I, I am, you know, Every week I prepare guys to play against people like Luca. Um, and to specifically answer your question, which you asked about the step back threes, remember what I told you? Yes. Yeah. That, that is the lowest point. possible, lowest, lowest percentage shot you can take. So if he's hitting those, right, he's hitting them. <laughs> you, you, the mistake you make in defending those guys is you let their success radically alter what you're doing individually. And now you're really fucked because you have no foundation anymore. You have to guide these guys towards something. There are exceptions. Uh, like, for example, with Dirk, I used to have my guys do different things with Dirk, but he wasn't a great driver. Even when he was younger, he wasn't great. Uh, and so there was a choice. Luca's different. There's nothing Luca can't do. Because we're speaking of Luca, there's other guys too. Um, although I think you can guide him left. I, I happen to think he's not as good going left, especially to the rim. Um, it's not so easy. He's an expert at getting back to where he wants to go, like Harden is with his left hand. Uh, but when he elects to shoot that step back three or the step sideways three to create space, it's a mistake to think, oh, my God, I can't let him do that because he's going to use that to his advantage and you're probably going to end up fouling him. And so one of the goals we said is, number one, never foul, never foul. Obviously, time and score context, we're excluding that end of games. Never foul him. And uh, don't get so caught up in taking that away that he can then fake it and then get you to foul him or just blow right by you. 
You never want to get blow bys. You always want to stay connected somehow. Hopefully help is coming. Uh, you can't be undisciplined with your footwork and how you're closing out. You can't be undisciplined with your eagerness to try to contest his shot and, and get into the point where you're fouling him. Uh, there's lots of little things about like getting over the screen and taking the right angle to recover back, to get in front of him again. If you trail him directly, he'll stop short and you'll run into him and that's a foul. Uh, and so, but big picture, the macro view would be keep him off the line, make him take the lowest percentage shot possible. If he, if he's successful seven back three or four times in a row, well, that's a strategy problem your coach needs to solve, not you. In other words, he, he can now do whatever he wants and he's making it at a high percentage. And so now you have to bring help, uh, uh, trap him, trap him out of the screen, send a double and out the screen. Like there's things you can do, but not as the player, the player has to continue to make him take the toughest shots possible. The example I gave you guys is um, if you're playing blackjack and you're, you keep hitting on 14, 15, 16, because the house is showing, you know, a face card, let's say, or nine. Mm-hmm. Um, the house isn't worried when you go on a hot streak. It's not worried. The math is on their side. I, I coach with math as my background. We're, we're going to do everything based on math. And, and, and then it's up to the coach to pivot. And sometimes they don't at their own, uh, I think, uh, havoc, their own risk. But you got to take away what they're best at. Because Luca's is great at the rim. And he's great in the second box. And so he's just good. Uh, now, <laughs> I looked it up. His best, uh, you know, maybe this is Kyrie. Kyrie is like um, 40-something percent catch and shoot, 50% mm. one dribble threes. So you have to, so Kyrie, you have to crowd him on that first dribble and make him take a second dribble. He's not as good. He's good. Not as good. And so math, math dictates all of this. And um, if you really get into the weeds, you can look at sides of the floor and all of that, which mm-hmm. I tend not to do with players in the regular season because it's too much for them to, yeah. sometimes, sometimes. Plus, because they're guarding more than one guy. They're switching one through three, one through four. A lot of teams switch one through four. And you don't want to paralyze them with analysis. You know, you want to keep it simple. Um, but this number one, number one, don't get frustrated when they make those shots and change what you're doing. It's very hard to do. They're so yeah. competitive. You can't yeah. Do you know, it's interesting, right? Because you part of what you do also, David, you always talk about the art and the science um, mm-hmm. behind this, right? And when you're coaching guys, it's the same thing. But there are certain guys in the league who, to your to your point, don't get frustrated. Your Drew Holidays, your Alice Caruso's, your young They're Andrew right. Nemhards, certain perimeter defenders yeah. who they know. But so is that something you can teach a player to not get frustrated? But they're competitive, right? They they're like, but coach, he's made five in a row. Like I can't just let him keep doing that. Um, yes. So yeah, Derek White is also magnificent. Mm-hmm. Um, what amazing hands he has. Uh, yeah, you can coach it. It doesn't always work. Uh, some players aren't great at that and they just, their competitiveness overwhelms them. And I really, I always learn a lot from these players. So many of them are successful because they just set a goal and fuck, I'm going to make this happen. And some of them have had really terrible life stories and they slog through the, the, an agent once said to me, the, um, the equivalent of Andy, Andy Dufresne crawling through, you know, a mile of shit in the mm-hmm. sewers, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of these players have had similar kinds of lives for lots of different reasons. And, and they're cleaning their boat, you know, and uh, not to wait, whatever. I used to be able to say it. What, yeah. what is the name yeah. of the city they went to? And uh, I, 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 I know what you mean. In, uh, in, um, today. Oh, yeah. God. Yep. yep. Yeah. Um, and, and they made it. And, and, but here's the thing. It's still Game of Thrones. They're still coming after you all the time. 
But it's a lot, you know, the, the great golfers who say the pressure isn't making the four foot putt to win the Masters and the eight million. Normally, those guys have done this a lot already. And they have four yachts. The pressure is the guy that's keep making the four foot putts to keep his tour card, tour card, so he yeah. can pay for the travel just to, mm-hmm. so he's not broke. Yeah, right. And so that's the thing is the, the, at the highest level, they've dealt with that pretty well. Everyone else, it's just hard just to stay relevant. So you know, new new guys come in every year. And so, but to answer your question is, yeah, you can coach it. You need to coach it. The emotional IQ, you know, um, Gerardo, my son was telling me about a really talented player in, the, in college who looks like he's a first-round pick talent-wise. But Max isn't sure he's going to make it. I, I don't know how he knows all this because um, he doesn't know if he has the head for it. Not, not, that he's, not that he's not competitive and not that he's right. a psycho, nothing like that. For whatever reason, Max just isn't sure this guy's got the head to make it. Um, because, because this is a big part. I think he's talking about emotional IQ. It's it's a, it's a grown-ups game. It really is. That's why so so few rookies are any good. It's not just that they're learning the game. It's that they're still learning how to be an adult. You know? I, well, you and I were just college mm-hmm. dudes. Right. What pressure yeah. do we have? Don't get arrested. None. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, basically, there's a very small, low bar we had to get. These guys mm-hmm. are different. Uh, uh, I was you know better than me because I don't watch it, but uh, I was told one of the reasons why you don't see many players in the dunk contest is because they just don't want to deal with the failure yes, on social true. media. Does that make sense yeah. to you? Yes, correct. And so, they want to get embarrassed. Right. Well, they don't have a choice in games. Like You have to guard these guys who will embarrass you. It's, it's a given. You're going to get dunked on. You're going to get scored on. You're going to, make, you're going to fall down. Mm-hmm. I don't love it happens. I've told you this. I don't love when the ooh and ah, when a guy shakes you right. and you fall down the crowd. I, you don't right. see it in the NBA too much. I don't love that because I want guys to want to compete, and not be afraid of being ridiculed. It's part and failure is part of this, right? Um, and so all of these things tie in together. And so, yeah, we have to coach our guys up on being emotionally mature, get off the roller coaster, get on the merry-go-round. Mm-hmm. Lock in on your job and understand that sometimes you're going to get your ass kicked. Yeah, I mean it's the best players in the world, right? And it's and in many ways it's mano a mano in in a one on one guarding situation. So you you have to be prepared for that. Um, and I think that is it's interesting that sort of um, not worrying about failure that is what lionizes Jordan types and Kobe types and those types of psycho competitors in our you know, in American lexicon and sports culture, right? Now we know it all gets mythologized over time and the stories get blown out of proportion, but it's that idea of, I don't care. Like I, I will do whatever and sell out to stop this guy. I don't care if he scores on me. He ain't scoring on me next time, right? It's that ability to come back and like continually do it in the face of, eh, I might I might get embarrassed, but I don't care if I get embarrassed. That's a, that's a special skill. It really is, really, really is. Correct. And it's also... um like let's say uh, Luca, for example, the, the, if you're a smaller guy, there's nothing you can do on the step back. If you're right. longer than him, then maybe there is something. It's still a shot you want to force. But if he's making three in a row, instead of having to then bring a double, which is a coaching decision, mm-hmm. the longer guy might say, you know what, I'm going to take that away and make him do something else. That's not To me, that's not a bad strategy. There's just not many guys that can do it because they just can't get there with their length, but some guys can. And so I'm a big believer with those kinds of guys Make them beat you differently. Don't let them beat you the same way twice. But there's like six of those dudes in the world right. that that you can say take this. You can they can take everything away. So you you're making the offense pick the poison you're willing to swallow, right? 
And if they if they do it and you're getting poisoned, well, then take that away. But most guys can't take that away. So make them do that. And then if you can't do it because he keeps making it, then bring in this, the reinforcements, which is, which is the double team. And a yeah. hard hedge can make them pass it. There's things that coach can do. And pure ISO, he's got to send someone potentially, which also leaves someone else open. But at least Correct. it won't be that motherfucker making the shots. It'll be someone different. <laughs> I mean, I'm not kidding. When I was a young coach and you called timeout late in games, I would literally say, no fucking way I'm letting him run what he's trying up right now. I didn't do this for the first couple of years because I had too much pride. And then I realized, oh, pride's a nightmare. I have no pride. I, if I'm trying to win the game, I'm just trying to win the game. And so I never used to play zone. I would send a double team, which means you're zoning. It's two on the ball, three zoning up behind it. I would change up matchups mm-hmm. because I know you're drawing something up and I'm not letting you draw up what you think I've been doing all game, mm-hmm. which I have mm-hmm. been maybe. And so I'm doing something different. And that's when I really started changing everything. I never played defense more than three times in a row, basically in the same kind of defense. If you were really good, I kept you guessing all the time. The problem is in the world's best players, they're all speed chess players. So they're seeing it. And they've seen it all before. I mean, I, we've said this before. Tom Brady has seen every blitz. It doesn't mean he won't get beat sometimes because right. players still have to block. Correct. But you're not going to surprise them almost ever, maybe once a right. month or something. Well, you think Luka hasn't seen every defense? Right. Come on. Jokic and Nemby, they've seen right. everything. They're all genius basketball players. I, I talk to them as a student sometimes. Let me learn from you at that level. Mm-hmm. Because they've seen everything. And, and they've also had, in many cases, great coaches and great mm-hmm. teammates that offer different things. And I'm in a bubble by myself. I, you know, I listen to clinics and I talk to all the coaches. It's not the same. These players have seen it all. And it's so easy for them. Which is also a challenge because it's not easy for everybody else. <laughs> so their job is to tell them. You'll see LeBron explaining something to a player. And you know the yeah. player's like, bro, I have Greek to me, man. I don't right. know what you're talking about. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Although they're really good typically at explaining it, I will say. The players do have a good feel for that. Yeah. Um, but this is this is the chess match that we have because both yeah. sides are doing it. Yeah. The famous one uh, meme is when LeBron talked to a rookie, Austin Reeves, about what he's talking and breaking it down to him. And you can see Austin's eyes just go, what? <laughs> like, no, really? bug out. Like, how did you? It's like, well, he's LeBron James. Like, what do you mean? Like, yeah. look about speed chess player. He's got it all in, yeah. in his brain and he's trying to spit it out to you. I, I will um, say, just to finish this topic, I will say, the, the, the organizing principle that you started a game with, let's say guarding Luka, guarding Kyrie, which are two incredibly hard guys to guard. <sighs> Kyrie really, as crazy as it sounds, in terms of his watching offense, he might oh my be my God. favorite guy to watch in the league. David, his, his ball skills are just and, like... and his And his shot making. He's amazing God, at the rim for a little guy. So good. He's not amazing at the rim. He's amazing for a little guy. Uh, yeah, he just he's an encyclopedia of talent. He's really Jesus. extraordinary. To take away the other stuff, he's and he's. I think he's been fine this year. I don't, he's been there a single negative thing. Yeah, nope. I watched him play a bunch. Um, but that you have to get that organ. You have to get the initial strategy right. The, I don't remember asking. Did you watch Game of Thrones? Yeah, of course. Okay, so so the uh, sorry spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't watched it ten years later. <laughs> I mean, it's been out for a million years, right? Ha, ha, the when when they're fighting the zombies at the end, whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. And they White send walkers. out their mm-hmm. best warriors a mile in the distance for them all to get smoked. That was bad strategy. Like you can't, you, they got lucky to win that fight. You can't normally win a fight when you start out with a terrible organizing principle. So you, you, it's like go asking Kyrie, let's make him finish at the rim. Yeah, you're fucked. Yeah. Yeah. He's just that talented, right? You can't do it. You have to have a better organizing principle to start. And then you can right. pivot here and there, which I think is a smart move. 
But you got to get yeah. the first one right. And that's based individually and on the coach coaches. As, as we wrap up this, uh, and again, guys, definitely pay tune, stay tuned for next week. We're going to have some good stuff yeah, about, really um, good. again, this idea of best player in the world. How much of being successful defensively, of course, is having the right strategy, principles, disposition, all the various things, but your willingness to study game film and player film in particular so you can start figuring out tendencies and knowing they like to do this counter when this thing happens. Oh, I mean, it's it's important for everyone. Yeah, at all levels, especially if you're facing, you know, these titans. You you have to do it. I was talking to a player last night. He's 21. He had six turnovers in a game and he was so in pain. And he walked me through his what he thought he, I had not watched the tape of the game. He, he had watched it already on tape. Um, and he, he, uh, he told me, I mean, turn over and I got to do this. I got to do this. And of course, afterwards, I had to say it like, now do you understand why I've been saying play off two feet more? He's like, yes, sir. I, I understand now. <laughs> and um, I told him, I've never loved you more than I love you right now because your, your willingness to watch yourself suck is a huge step, huge step forwards. Uh, uh, you have to do it. You have to, as a parent, I can tell you when I've looked at myself, like, what the fuck am I doing as a dad? That's how I get better is you have to be. And, and, but you also have to be humble to recognize that, no, this guy's just better than me. That doesn't mean like, I feel like pop did this Gerard when they, when the Spurs beat the Lakers in that last series in 2015, maybe 2014, Mm -hmm. 2014. Um, I think I I've written this before. I think pop said to Kawhi, LeBron's better than you. But that doesn't mean over a seven-game series he'll be better than you. It just means over the course of 82, he's a better player than you. Just fucking let it fly, Kawhi. Guard the fuck out of him. Shoot those early threes in transition, blah, blah, blah. You mean the Heat, not the Lakers. Yeah. Yeah, for the Heat. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, it worked. And they won the championship, Mm -hmm. right? Sure did. Kawhi was, I believe, finals MVP. He sure was. No one saw that coming. I think Pop just said over the seven games, let's see if you can't be better. And... uh, and that's that's really such a key is just just let's just outplay this dude tonight. Let's just do it tonight. And here's how we do it. And then we'll have to pivot, maybe, and we'll pivot. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. have a good approach to begin with. Yeah, for sure. Such such I mean, that's a good lesson for life. <laughs> Start to have yeah, a good right. strategy from the beginning, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you can pivot. Well, you're gonna have to pivot in life, that's for sure. Um we were looking at at the uh standings. Um, and it, you know, it's early. We got about twenty four or five games, depending on who you are left in the season. But I think there's some study done where like where you are record wise in like February is pretty much where you're going to be around, right? Not too much drastic changing happens. Now there's always, you know, uh, caveats with that. Um, but I was looking at the East and I said, Ooh, a three, six matchup of the bucks and the Pacers. And I remember as and I asked you, if we could talk to our audience about this now in a bucks Pacers series right now, today, who are you picking to win? And you said, David Thorpe. I said the Pacers. I think they won four or five against the Bucs. And then what did I tell you about that six spot? And you said the six spot, that's where you want to be in the in, in the in the in the East. And think and folks, the six spot means if the seedings hold today, you would play the Milwaukee Bucks, which include Giannis, a two-time MVP, DPOY, and a finals MVP, and Damian Lillard. And David Thorpe is like, no, you want to be there because that means you will avoid Boston until the conference finals. And Milwaukee, I think David and I both think they are probably beatable. We're not we're not sold on them as juggernauts for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, it's possible. It sounds stupid, and that it is stupid. I mean, it, it's possible Milwaukee waxes you know someone. Sure, There's, we still have a ways to go yet. They, they can catch fire. Um, didn't they have a big win this weekend? 
Yeah, they beat Philly. Um, I mean, no one beat, of course, but you know, um, they beat Denver two nights ago. Yeah, 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 that was the one. That was the one. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I I just uh, the way Cleveland. First of all, um, it'd be great to be uh, to be uh, three seed to play the six and then the two. That's hard. The four Mm -hmm. five is going to be a war, and uh, Miami is going to be in the running for that. Mm. Uh, uh, and that's Miami. Miami bubbles their way up to a five spot. That means they're playing really well, and we know their history in the, as a playoff team. And uh, so the same thing: if you're a four and they're a five, you're a five and they're a four. The six versus Milwaukee at three, which is where I think it'll be. Not, it may be they may be the two, and Could then be. and then you're playing Cleveland that also doesn't have a great history of winning. I think uh, the the four or five is the um, is a little bit scarier, and uh, and then you play Boston in the next round. Either way, so um, it's all it's all tough. But yeah, I think that uh, I think you might see some jockeying depending on mm. how things lay out, Gerard. If Milwaukee is going to be the three, as we get to the last two weeks of the season, if it looks likely they'll be the three, um, I just you might see some teams losing a game or two to get to the sixth spot to play them. That'll be interesting to follow. Now, if Cleveland and Milwaukee just winning out and they finish second and third just because Boston keeps winning more, well, then they're all screwed because all these teams are playing great. But they hope it would be one of them isn't playing so great. But they make it because they had a big lead. Then they're doing so well. Then Philly dropped because NB's out. New York dropped because of their, you know, they're missing guys. That's That would be the hope for a team that wants to drop to six on purpose. Yeah. I mean, it's – you know, we talked about this a little bit playoff seating is important and all that and look we are obviously a science and a and a math-based show so clearly we don't believe in things like basketball gods but do you think that you run yourself into trouble by trying to game the system in lack of a better word because ultimately if your goal is to win you have to beat good teams regardless so i mean well you know you screw around and you're like oh we got the spot we wanted and then you're like, you know, something happens, and now you're like, crap, we can't beat this team anyway, or whatever. I think there's a, there's a chance of that, right? I was hoping you would ask me that question. Uh, so first of all, yeah, I'm the guy that when you hear referees say "ball don't lie," I just laugh. <laughs> Not referees, I'm sorry, players, you, yeah. players, or, or yeah. announcers, announcers. Yeah, yeah. yeah ball yeah. lies all the time. I mean, <laughs> all the time. Yeah. So let's forget about that. I think, I think, yes, the answer to your question is, uh, I don't think it's basketball gods. I think it's fucking with your own confidence in chemistry. Uh, there is a there. It, it, I don't know. Maybe it's endorphins. There's a there's a feeling you get when you win that you don't get when you lose. And enough of that feeling every year in the NCAA tournament, where it's one and dones, the teams that just are on hot streaks, you tend to the FAU, San Diego State. There's a there's mm-hmm. a, there's some team that are just amazing and they lose some games because they play in a tough conference. But these teams that have won 10, 12, 14, 15 in a row from, ba- from bad leagues or lower-level leagues who play these mighty teams to the buzzer, that's not an accident. They figured out how to win. They normally limit their turnovers. They limit your second shots. They maximize their shooting opportunities. Maybe they kill the offensive glass. They just have a rhythm and a feel because they keep winning. I would want to try to accomplish that same feeling as an NBA coach. It's, Let's play as great as we can and not worry about who our opponent is. I, I, yeah. I'm not telling you I'm right. That's just the way I look at it. No, but I, I agree with you because, again, if your goal is to go deep in the playoffs or win a championship, you're not going to beat scrubs. you got to beat good teams regardless. So, okay. I mean, what are we doing? <laughs> like, 
Well, I could see um, I could see an owner saying, "Hey, I want to make sure we get to round the next round for money." I, I don't think they're right to say right. lose these games, but I understand the strategy behind it. I just don't think it's smart. Yeah, I agree. All right, so that's the East we looked at, and there's you know some things are going to change there for sure. Injury wise, we we're all obviously in, in a firm belief that no one's catching Boston seven and a half games up on Cleveland. It's not I don't as think Cleveland's so. playing right now. I mean, uh, Boston's they just keep winning games, so I don't I don't really know what what people are going to do there. Uh, in the Western Conference, however, we have a little more jumble. Uh, Minnesota, Oklahoma City tied for first right now at 40 and 17. Nuggets only a game and a half back. Clippers only two and a half back. I think those four, that's where the the, the seeding position will, will, will change. Yeah, that's the line. From, right. From five through 10 now, it's a little different thing because you've got Sacramento and Phoenix. They're six and a half back. The Pelicans are also six and a half at seven. At seventh place, the Mavericks are only seven seven back in there at eight. So those teams, the Kings, Suns, Pelicans, Mavericks, those four I think will jockey as well. You got the Lakers and Warriors behind them, and we'll talk about them later. Is there anywhere in the West you think is advantageous, or it's just like, man, just get into the playoffs and roll roll your dice from there? Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't think any of those top four teams or teams are like, ooh, we wouldn't mind playing them. I, I don't think. Whereas that includes the champs. For sure, yeah. As much as I think they have a bad weak bench, it's still it's first of all it's altitude. Do they have the best home record? They might have the best home record. Probably, I think they do. Yeah, um, it's not fun to play in Denver. I've talked to plenty of players who, who don't like it. They like visiting Denver just fine, but it's not a fun altitude to play at. And they have a guy named Jokic on the team. He's pretty good. Jamal Murray's pretty good. Jamal Murray's <laughs> Celtics really have the well best record by by two games. They're twenty six and three. Uh, the Nuggets twenty five and five. But so best, best in the best, West, best home in the West. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I thought. So. Yeah, uh, the Clippers have the big three, um, and, and Ty Lue is not a fun guy to go against. So, yeah, I think I think that top four is – I mean, you could argue one and two more so than three and four because just Correct. they're just not accomplished. Right, yes. Right? Yes. But, yes. But then you're asking so – if you're in six and, and you're scheduled to play, who's the three seed now? Is it Denver – are the Clippers over Denver? Uh, yes, it is the Clippers. Oh, there's Denver right now. So that'd be Phoenix okay. and Denver round one because Phoenix is the sixth seed right now. Right. So if you're the sixth seed to play that three seed and you're like, you know what? I'd rather play OKC or Minnesota. Well, now you got to do the play-in. Who wants that? No, you'd rather just be guaranteed. So no, I don't think there's any sweet spot like there is in the East. And um, and we always say this, the postseason looks like it's going to be great. And I, you know, we went through a stretch here, Gerard, where first we thought more parity than ever, and then it looked like maybe not. Now it's starting to look like it is again. I realize Boston's the best team, but their bench is suspect, and they've not made it but to one finals, and they they kind of you know didn't play well at the end there those last three games. Uh, I think it's pretty wide open. I, I, yeah. I could see, you know, it's hard to say Cleveland until you look at their talent and how well they've played. Super talented. Um, uh, Milwaukee's got Giannis and Dame, and they could easily find themselves rolling. When MB comes back, I think they're good enough to win a championship. He's just that good. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think I think the West is loaded with teams, and we're going to yeah. get to Golden State and L.A., and they're, yeah. what, 9 and 10 right now? Yep. Come yep. on. Yeah. So in, in, in the West, and I think part of the reason why there's that sort of, all right, we're not as worried is because of what you said, right? Oklahoma City and Minnesota, as good as they have been this year, and they've been phenomenal, they don't have playoff track record. But as I've said a million times in this show, nobody has playoff track record until they have playoff track record, right? Like you you don't do it until you do it. Eventually, most teams will do it. 
uh, as a collective unit. And I wonder again, look, you, you mess around and you think, all right, OKC, like we can beat these guys. But look, what if what if those young guys, for whatever reason, the playoffs don't overawe them and they play well and Shea is just on a heater and Daniel devises like ridiculous strategy. And all of a sudden you find yourself 2-2 and you're like, shit. These guys are really fucking good. We might have underestimated them, right? There's no guarantee just because they haven't had success you're going to beat them. Over 82 games, they've been, or so far, over 60-something games, they've been very good, right? I I get that playoff basketball is different, but they have a large sample size that says we do some things very well on a basketball court, which is why our record is what it is. Well, and to be very specific, if you're 2-2, now you've you've got two or three games still to play in OKC. Correct. Because they have home court advantage, so... Yeah, I, I think in the Thunder's case, um, I've been saying all along, I don't know what Josh Giddy does in the playoffs. I think that's yeah, a real question. Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna make him hand door especially, but definitely Giddy yep. the most. He's gonna have to make shots and he's gonna have to guard uh a lot. And they're gonna have to I have a feeling he's not gonna be ready for it. I could be wrong. Um I'm not saying definitely, but if that's the case, they're gonna have to figure out another way. Um nevertheless, you're what you're saying is right. They've been playing great. And you know, Chet's still young. Uh, Shea's never had to do it at any high level before with the role he's in now. I, I still pick him as the MVP. Um, yeah, but this is a different, you know, the postseason's different. So, and Minnesota, like I'm hearing people say they're definitely going to move off of Gobert or Towns. I mean, I- I- insiders saying Gobert one, one of them, right? are gone next year. Um, oh, but wait, Gobert or, or both? One or the other. That's oh, what one, of told, okay. one or the other. Okay. And maybe Naz Reed would play because they, they love the person I was talking to was saying that, that maybe Naz would play in that spot with one of them. Um, uh, and so that plays to their head a little bit. Just Maybe they get to him. They do play great defense, but their offense can be really suspect. Very uh, suspect. Anthony, is Anthony 21? Yeah, he's young. 21, is, is he? Geez, he's still, crazy. He's a baby. And he's so, so good. <laughs> he's so, yeah. I love him now. I didn't love him coming out of college. I love him now. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's. I don't. I don't know. I mean, right now, if, if I said to you who's going to win the West, we don't have to make the decision now. But if you did, who would you pick? The Clippers, just right now, because of how they're playing. But I'm not even 100 percent sold on that. <laughs> I'm I like, feel, yeah, I feel the same. Clippers, Denver, coin flip to me. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to say it. Yeah, yeah. coin flip between those two. Yeah. So, Whew. all right, guys, we'll be back after a quick commercial break. This episode of True Hoop is brought to you by BetterHelp. Hey guys, Gerard from True Hoop here. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do? It's a hell of a question. Would you maybe go for a run, take a nap, read a book, or maybe show up for a friend? Now, depending on the day, any one of those would be a great idea. Most of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Now, I've been open in the past with you guys about this. I see a personal therapist as well as a couple therapists for my partner and I. And both are extremely helpful in developing positive coping skills and learning how to set boundaries. Therapy empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash TrueHoop today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash TrueHoop. 
All right, David, we talked about the West and why we don't know who's who, right? We're, we said a coin flip between Denver and and the Clippers. Yeah. And we said that, look, as good as OKC and Minnesota are, they're young. Phoenix has got vets who are really good and they're playing well. You got, as I said to you, we started the show talking about Luka and I said last week, would it surprise you if Luka and Kyrie got that team to the conference finals? Hell no. Luka took a worse team by himself to the conference finals three years ago. And they're better now. We, You so astutely pointed out. They won the trade on deadline. Only suffered their first loss since the trade deadline uh, last That's night against not. Indiana. Yeah. But they're really, really good. And we, you know how skilled those two guys are. Nightmare. Good luck guarding them if they're on one. Um, so they could, they could make it. So anything can happen. And I say all that to say, the Golden State Warriors, despite losing to the Nuggets last night, and they got kind of drummed out in that fourth quarter. Denver really. It was really a clo- close game until then. Close game. Yeah, yeah. until the fourth. Yeah. Uh, but Denver really kind of put it on them in the fourth. Steph didn't shoot well. Variety of issues. Golden State's eight and ten, eight, eight and two in their last ten. Um, you know, things are positive and more smiley and happy. We talked about winning and how winning makes people feel really good about themselves. And you know, it also can kind of put lipstick on a pig and hide some things that you know you may not want to see because we're doing so well now. Um, Steve Kerr got his contract extension, so he'll be there for two more years. He's lined up with Steph now. How much? The same how much money? 37 million. So he's the highest paid coach in the league. And now for those, you know, for the, for those two seasons, look, Draymond's back. They're playing well. Clay is on the bench. The Kaminga's playing well. Wiggins is showing signs of life. Everybody's feeling good about the Warriors. And I asked like, David, I'm not sure. They're still 10th. Um, in that streak, they haven't beaten anybody of consequence besides the Suns at home. And that was at the buzzer on a curry shot. And what's, what's Phoenix in the West right now? Sixth. Yeah. So they beat the sixth seed. And right. they beat Indiana on the road, a six seed. Right. Indiana was just exhausted at that point, but they blew Indiana out. They played great. Yeah. But, you know, they haven't beaten – they lost to Denver last night. They haven't beaten Boston. They so I'm just like, is this more mirage and fool's goal? And I wonder because you say winning, right, it kind of elicits a, a, a certain pheromone, right, and a hormone in you. You're like, oh, we feel good. With the Warriors, I wonder, is it a double effect, right? Not only does it increase that, that good feeling of feeling good, but it also harkens back to we do this all the time. We always win because we're the Golden State Warriors. Look at our trophy case. And then it gets you thinking we're better than we actually are. Because I'm still not sure they're very good. There's a few things there. Um, the Tiger effect is something I like thinking about. I'm, I'm old enough to remember when Tiger was just the greatest athlete. He, he was he was must-watch TV, I thought. Oh, for I, sure. I enjoyed it anyway. Yeah, it was and, great. And I remember reading an article years ago. He was still in the height of his of his prime. That uh, listed the average his his average final round on Sundays and any event, not just Masters. And then if he was in the final pairing, and then his playing I, partner was always considerably worse, terrible, typically by a lot. Did good, yeah. It might have been someone else playing well, but they weren't playing with Tiger. And so, so to me, part of this would be potentially if Golden State. And we'll, I'll talk a minute about what their record is. Um, but if they make it, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they've lost. They lost last year. Like, they lose. But uh, they're playing better now. And if they start cooking, how are their opponents going to handle? Like, mm. like, oh, man, we're about to get swamped. Right? This team is this team is rolling again. And so that's something to think about. They've earned that. They've earned the privilege of being able to have that kind of mystique about them, like Miami football back in the day, you know, any kind mm-hmm. of dynasty. Uh, did you see the tweet I sent you about what their record is against teams that project at yes. 50 wins? 
Yep, yep. What was it? Not great. Three and 15, (laughs) maybe? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that changes some as teams go in and out of being looking like they're going to win 50. But at present, I think they're three and 15 against teams that project to win 50 games this year. Mm -hmm. So uh, now I will tell you, I looked it up today in the last 15 games. So not Mm -hmm. the last 10 where they're eight and two. Last 15. I want to say they're fourth in offense efficiency, fifth in defense efficiency. Mm. That's a very good sign. Nevertheless, I don't think it was built up against great teams. So I don't see them as a first round, likely first round winner. They're likely going to be a play-in team. How many, how many are they from the sixth spot, Gerard? They are four, uh, four, no, three and a half, excuse me. No, and four, who, exactly four, four games. And, and, and that's Phoenix, who's playing right. better, they, although, although Beal's out. Feels out again, which is so problematic. And they have three teams in front of them. The Lakers, right. the Mavs, and the Pelicans. All, by the way, including Phoenix, good teams. Not not bad. Right. Lakers, maybe a little whatever. but Right, but the other team play well. And that's that's a factor. As, we've, as, often, as we have often said, speaking of the golf analogy, you'd rather be in second place five strokes behind the leader than in seventh place two strokes behind the leader. Because right. you still have to play everybody else. Golden right. State finds himself in that more more similar position of, uh, Dallas is like they they I, they look good. Indiana just played great last night, and Dallas. Um, I mean they're missing Exum. It, it he matters to some degree, not a ton. Um, but they're yeah when those guys are rolling and Phoenix and it's it's yeah it's and the Pelicans uh, it's are good. Be tough. And the Pelicans are good. Yeah, they're playing defense, and I and Zion has not been the guy that no. I thought he would be, and yet they're still winning. And so if he ever can become that great scorer again, as we've talked about before, you and I. Yeah, so I think Golden State's going to have, yeah. Then they've, it, we all want them to do well. The narrative is, you know, <laughs> we want Clay to buy into his off the bench role and Pods to be a rookie of, uh, you know, not rookie of the year, but a rookie first team candidate, whatever. And Wiggins is resurgence. He's like a phoenix, you mm-hmm. know, and his comeback again. He died and now he's back again. Mm-hmm. Draymond and whatever narrative you want to say with him. I like Sarich. I love Trace Jackson Davis. Yeah, good, um, good, good young vertical big. Yep. Do you know who his dad is? No. I just went blank on it. I, and I love this father too. Davis, his dad, is a former NBA player. And I'm so embarrassed that I brought it up and don't even remember the name. But it's someone I, I loved watching. Oh, Dale Davis is his dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I actually coached Dale Davis. when He, he won't uh-huh. remember this probably. When he was at Clemson. Him and Eldon Campbell, I worked out at night. They were counselors at a big uh, all-star camp that I worked at. And the head guy said, I want you to work these guys out. I was, you know, 25, whatever. And, oh, I was blown away with Dale Davis. Blown away with his talent. He couldn't score outside 11 inches, but this was back when he was in college. But, wow, was he a talent. I love his son. I think his son should have been a first-round pick. And so Looney's kind of on his way out right now. He doesn't look like he's so healthy to me, and the other guys are playing better. Still, it's a tough road for them. Tough road. Yeah. I mean, with Steph Curry, there's always a chance. He's just so magical. Great. They are, I think, number two or three or four in three-point shooting percentage, 39.8 mm-hmm. on those 15 games. That spells out a lot. Because if they're making those threes, the Cuisinart can really cut you up. If they're not, they're much more limited. And since they're there, and we just talked about them, they played Sunday night. Uh, Phoenix beat them, pulled away in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Phoenix, Phoenix was a big 20, I think, early, and then Lakers kind of fought back to get within three or four. Uh, the Lakers, uh, we talked, right? It's still a Darvin Ham situation to you. And then I, the LeBron thing worries me in terms of just him being healthy. 
I mean, you saw him on the bench again. He's dealing with that ankle. He's got to get treatment counseling. And if he and Davis are not spectacular. No chance. Yeah. Yeah. Just got nothing. It it is. It is something to be said, Gerard. You mentioned LeBron and his health. Like he seemed immortal for so long. He doesn't seem that anymore. It hasn't for a couple of years now. No. You know, they got swept by Denver last year. He's always struggled to stay healthy for long periods of time. He's the best ever at his age, but he's not the best ever. Like this guy isn't the best ever. Right. Correct. And it, it is what it is. And look, and I said it, they look, they won the in-season tournament. I know people may think that that's a, that's a championship. They got a trophy or they early in the season. And we talked about this uh, with Henry about the all-star game, as it relates to the later you go, because the all-star game is played so late now in February, these guys are exhausted, right? And that we want our athletes to be able to run really fast, jump high and dunk. Well, when was LeBron and Anthony Davis at their best early in the season, right? When they didn't have as many miles on, like it's later now, right? And so the injuries are starting to pick up and we know biggest predictor of future injury is previous injury, right? I mean, LeBron for the longest time was the NBA's bionic man, but ever since uh, LA, he's missed a part of every single season since he's gotten to LA. And it's just makes sense, right? It's wear and tear. It's the reality of playing physical basketball in the NBA. And then consider this, uh, the last few games they play before the break is within a week of being exactly four months before the NBA Finals are being played. Mm. That's how long of a trip we still have. Yeah. We're going to be doing talking about this season, this season through, oh, yeah, and now it's three and a half months. Right. A long time. Three and a half and three and a half months. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's been doing this for a long time. <laughs> it wears it down. Year 21? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 03 is when he started, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's this is – but, I mean, what he's done is incredible. As you see, he's – um it's ridiculous. Uh, was it 72 points shy of 40,000? Um, is that right? Is, yeah, which is just <laughs> – uh, and someone – I forget. It might have been Richard Jefferson said it on the broadcast. He thinks that when he's done, LeBron's all-time scoring record – and Stockton's all-time assist record will be the two things that he doesn't think anybody's going to be able to catch for a while. They're going to set them just so far apart. I mean, and it might be. I mean, 40,000 points. I mean, that's think about it. Kareem didn't get to 40, right? Like, I mean, it's just – and it's going to take someone to be playing 20-plus years like LeBron and still averaging over 25 points. Like, probably not likely, right? It's highly unlikely for someone to be able to do that. Um, they're going to have to start super young, be healthy and, and durable for – the majority of their career, which we can't predict that it's uh, we're, we're, we're seeing special things here. We we've listen, the NBA will last for a long time, long after we're gone, but man, we, we've seen some special, special people play this game over, over it's 78 year history. Some, my math might be off by a year or two. I'm like that. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. Uh, David, the Clippers are going to move into their new building um next season the intuit dome um shout out to the wherever the intuit company is for naming rights on that <laughs> um but uh zach lope an article out on espn about how the clippers went through a whole rebranding exercise in terms of just changing up the the image and the logos and the colors around not the colors so much but the the, the front facing imagery yeah. of yeah. the team right um they even talked about potentially changing the name but in focus groups it was vehemently uh, rejected by them. Like, no, keep the name, despite the fact that the Clippers, that name has been synonymous with losing, right, when they had Donald Sterling era for so many years. I, I think all of this is fascinating because 
Bomber is looking at this from two two vantage points, right? He wants to turn the Clippers into a global brand, obviously. Um, and one of the ways you do that, of course, is by this kind of stuff they're doing in terms of the new court and the logos and the jerseys and all that. But it also is about the on-court product. And really, since the Chris Paul era, David, the Lob City with him and Blake Griffin, when healthy, this has been a very good team. They've made the playoffs just about every year, give or take, right? And when they're whole... They got a shot at contending. They went to the conference finals two years ago. Or three years uh, ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, what? So we we like to trash uh, billionaires. <laughs> we we used to do it more than we do it now. During the pandemic, there wasn't anything to talk about. On the yeah, call. so we had to kill him. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think he's done a hell of a job with the Clippers. Yes. There's yes. there's like if you start listing bad franchises. You have to spend a long time before you get to the Clippers, and they're not sure. bad. Yeah. So, what do you think about keeping their name? I, I think it's a great idea. Me too. Um, I think it, you again. You have to. I love that he did focus groups, and Steve said it. I mean, this is what he would do in business. Yeah. They're not the definitive word, right? It's not just they say it. That's what I do. But I, you take. There's a focus group for a reason, right? They do the same thing with movies. Just about everything you guys can think of, it goes through focus group testing before it comes out into the world for people to see it. And what those focus groups say matter, right? They do a cross-section of people and so they want to know what's the reaction going to be like from people. And I think taking away the name or changing it might sort of, it would take away some of their fans and lose something, right? And I like the idea of them embracing their history of who they are, Clippers, for people who know it's about Clipper ships, because this team started in San Diego. That's where they were originally from. And it's where the ports were down in, in San Diego and the, and the Clipper ships um, out, on, uh, out in the water during that right. time. So I love that. And they are leaning into that nautical theme now next year. When you get to the court, you'll see that on the on the flooring, on the New Jersey. You'll see nautical cool. flags. I'm in. Uh, listen, there's no reason why the Clippers can't be a brand. Look, again, as right. I say, I if they win on the floor, no, yeah. it, all that old clip joint, Donald Sterling shit, no one's going to remember that. All they're going to remember is, yo, remember that team that won a title with Kawhi and PG and whoever? Yeah, that's that's going to be the history. I, I uh, yeah. Winning solves all those problems, and um, he just he seems to really care. Uh, my sources tell me he isn't someone that tells Lawrence Frank what to do; that he's mm. just a fan and the bank. And uh, Lawrence is a basketball guy; he's done, yeah. he's done yeah. a good job. He's well respected. I've I've had some agents tell me that Lawrence is one of their favorite people to deal with. He's very upfront about everything, very direct. I've known Lawrence since he was a college kid. Um, I've not talked to him in a long time, but he was always very earnest. As he's, he's the president of the team, runs the team. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're, the, the Lakers, you know, if you look at a five-year window, both teams look like they're in some trouble down mm-hmm. the road. Yes. But um, the Clippers are a better run right now. So They are. You would think I they're going to make a comeback before the L.A. will. Without question, um, you mentioned he's a fan. So Steve Bobber, and he, he gets clowned a lot on social media just because, like, he just you think he cares. No, oh, listen, I was just gonna say, and you mentioned him as the bank. Steve Bobber, one of the wealthiest men in the world, net worth somewhere north of 122 billion. Is that right? You know, really? yeah, it fluctuates about the day. If you ever watch Forbes real time yeah. net worth, like it'll, you know, just because all their holdings, it depends yeah. on what's going on in the market. Right? Yeah. But bottom line, the man is. Super, super wealthy, but he cares. Like you can see, he legitimately wants the team to be good. He's a fan. You see him at games, get so excited when they go on runs. And but in that way, I love that you said he doesn't seem like a meddler type. 
one of the things that these guys who are super successful in their business lives and bomber um used to work uh was uh, worked at microsoft yeah you hire smart people and you trust that you've hired the right people and you let them do their job now and you empower them to do their job if they are not doing their job and you've given them everything you can then it's on you you fucked up you got to do something different and pivot like we talked about earlier but how you get people to succeed right people bring in your culture and empower them as david says leadership is breathing spirit into the hearts and minds of others you're doing all that and that's what lawrence i'm sorry what steve seems to be doing in la so good on them look if the clippers are great i think that's great for la look i'd love for them to be better than the lakers not because i don't like the lakers i grew up a lakers fan but like i just think it'd be fun if they're the dominant team and it's like all right lakers what you got now you you've got to kind of you know turn your ship around a little bit Listen, we both want uh, – it, it shouldn't be a zero-sum game in the NBA. Correct. We want 30 teams to be good. Not great. Yes. You can't have 30 great teams. Um, but you could have real parity where, mm-hmm. you know, winning 45 games means you're going to be like a four seed. Mm-hmm. It, it hasn't happened, but it could. Yep. Uh, the well-run teams run circles around the poorly run teams. Mm-hmm. And the Clippers seem to be a well-run team. They took some gambles. They probably would like to have Shea. But there, <laughs> we we may very well see OKC LA, and that would be you know, two three battle whatever that would be. That would very be very nice. interesting. To the past, yes, the would. present versus the future. Um, I probably would lean towards the Clippers today. They're, they're not yes. playing for months, but I right. lean for them today. To them today. No, it's it's exciting. Yeah, and your point is right, David. Um, that is, we talked about the next frontier, sort of in the NBA. The teams that I mean, it's not a secret, right? The teams that just figure out. How do we find the competitive edges? How do we run our franchises as well as possible, right? And that starts from ownership. If the owners don't want that, it is not going to matter on the basketball. And now sometimes you have transcendent talents like LeBron James who might be able to overcome despite, but more often than not, the team's got to be run well in order for you to have a chance. And you know, that's kind of all we want as NBA fans is for these teams to be run well. Yep. All right, guys. We will see you on Thursday. Take care.